wild turmoil in the financial markets and the global economy continue to increase, driven by the coronavirus. Crude tanker shipping rates have surged to super profit levels. Will the high rates be uh, sustainable? In this episode, we will uh, discuss the outlook for the tanker markets. Welcome to DMB and a special episode of our podcast Utbytte. My name is Marius Brunhaugen from DNB Markets and today I'm joined by Robert McLeod, the CEO of Frontline. How are you, Robert? No, I'm very well, Marius. And um, despite the, obviously the time all the world is going through, uh, things, things are well. Uh, obviously, crazy times, but uh, through these crazy times, there are opportunities in the uh, in the tanker market that we've seen that in the past and that's um, that's what we're seeing uh, at the moment as well good uh, obviously crazy times uh, yes uh, we are also joined by my colleague and a head of shipping research here at the dmb markets nikolai duvik uh, all well at the home office uh, nikolai yeah good morning i didn't expect to work from home uh, for an uncertain period of time uh, a few weeks back but, but all well from home office thank you uh, so, uh, Nikolai, I've also I've read your reports here um, uh, lately, and um, I think mean, uh, the, the work you guys are, are doing is uh, it's excellent. It's very thorough. It's uh, it's to the point. I think for once, I've, I'm in my sixth year at uh, Frontline now, and uh, I've done about 20 years of uh, of work in tankers. And for once, our um, sort of uh, outlook is, uh, is is very different. I think uh, tankers are heading into a, a stronger for longer period, and um, uh, I'll come back during our call today. But I'd like to give you a, a little challenge, and the challenge is that um, I am 100% convinced that we will have a very strong uh, Q2. This will last for a while. It's not going to be the current levels when the ships come back to the or the uh, the freights of uh, fallen apart. So I'd like to give you a challenge that um, if, if I'm right, then uh, DMB invites Frontline for dinner. But if I'm wrong and Q2 sees uh, the rates go back to the Q1 bottom levels, I will walk from Oslo to Bergen during my summer break. How does that sound? <laughs> so if, you, if, you, if the second quarter uh, is not strong, uh, uh, and that that sounds like a good, uh, good that sounds like a win win for me. Uh, either have a dinner with you, or or you have to buy a new pair of Nikes, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but the good thing is, I'll, I'll get my I'll get my fitness my fitness level up, right? So I'll even I'll even heighten the bet to say that if we get anywhere close to the bottom of Q1. Okay. Well, I think we I think we agree that second quarter can be quite good. Uh, the question is uh, is uh, is uh, what will happen thereafter. Okay, then I'll uh, I'll uh, take uh, I'll take Q3 into that as well. Uh, the Q3, we're not going to go back to the levels we saw at the bottom of Q1. Okay. Ah, okay. Uh, great. Always fun to start uh, with a bet. So uh, let me be, be the witness and say uh, the bet is uh, officially officially on. Okay, let's talk uh, markets. Uh, the VLCC rates, uh, they have increased from USD $15 a day at the start of February to uh, 260000 a day yesterday. Robert, uh, what's the main uh, driver behind the upswing? 
Okay, so if you look back, so it's only it's less than a month ago we released our, our Q4 figures and we um, we guided on Q1. We were also very clear that uh, we think that we thought the market was likely to remain at low levels. And looking back now, we could not have been more wrong. The recent events have, have just simply turned the tank market completely upside down, and the outlook now is historically strong. The, the main difference, the main thing that's happened is that Saudi, UAE, and Russian volumes are increasing. The world consumption is obviously down now, but if you look at recent numbers, uh, the world consumption of oil is around 100 million barrels per day. And about 43% of this gets carried by an, an oil tanker. So basically what's happened is that we've had another 4 million barrels introduced, extra volume to the market, which is almost a 10% increase. And then the, the next factor, and this is also very important, there is a, virtually a super contango in the oil market, which means that oil delivering forward is worth a lot more than oil delivering now. This will mean storage on ships. So we've not seen much yet, but I think we will see a lot in the coming weeks. What cheap oil also means is that it, in, it basically encourages oil inventory builds. So this we expect to be another driver and that was what happened in 2014, and it went on into 2016. Another important factor is that oil production is important to spot tanker rates. It is not oil demand, and production is currently at all-time high. So simply put, our frontline ships in the tanker world, I think, is entering a period where we can expect very strong rates. And I also think that or I know Frontline is perfectly positioned to gain from this with all-time high spot exposure. We're, we're down to uh, seven ships out now, and uh, five of them are on uh, profit share arrangements. We have industry-leading relationships and an average age on the fleet of only four years. So the 24 BSCs we have, they have an all-in cash break-even just over $22,000. We have 28 service maxes. Uh, we get one more next month, which is great timing. Break even is just under $20,000. And our 18 LR2s, they break even just above 15. So across the fleet, the break even for Q4 was 19.4. And for every $1,000 above this level, we make almost $23 million on an annual basis. So what's happening now is that our fleet average earnings is increasing rapidly. And as I said, we are bullish the outlook for freight. Obviously, we might not be in a $200,000 plus environment for long. I, I don't know what the rates are going to be next week. I don't know what they're going to be in two days, but I expect them to be strong. So with the outlook and these four important factors, I think that we are in contention to beat our best frontline year so far, where we made over $1 billion net income. That's very interesting, uh, very interesting, uh, Robert. Uh, and I know uh, Nikolai is eager to uh, shoot the next uh, question. So uh, go ahead, Nikolai. The, the oil market is in Contango, as you said. And, and so far, it seems like rates are driven by export volumes and not, not storage as of yet. But uh, as a former trader, how do you look in the storage deal and which inquiries do you get? Is it for three months or is it for a 12-month storage deal? 
just uh, just explain how it works. Okay, so, so simply put, then what will happen in, in today's market environment or price environment on oil or crude? First, crude will be stored in land ta- land-based tanks. Around the world, there, there is quite a, quite a bit of land-based storage available, so that will fill first. And then the refiners will start filling the capacity they have. So I expect quite a lot more volume to Asia in the coming weeks. I'm sure you've seen the refinery margins. They are extremely good at the moment. So what we're seeing as ship owners is that we, we've got a lot of interest for storage. But my guess is that the barrels that are actually going to be stored will be lifted from the Arabian Gulf and West Africa, other places as well, but those will be the main ones. And they will be be loading now or in the coming weeks. And then they will move to, for example, Singapore, which will be one of the main hubs for storage. And um, then they will arrive in Singapore over the coming months. So further down the line, probably in the next two to six weeks, floating storage will start to grow. Floating storage was a big, big factor in 2015. And I see, I, I see absolutely no reason for it not being uh, as important in 2020 with the current structure. So, so practically, uh, when you store in, on a ship, it, it's pretty straightforward. So a trader will bid for barrels in the spot market, and then the trader will hedge the position at a higher price further out on the oil curve. So the risk lies in the trader being able to sell the fiscal crude when the time comes. So this is why we see the active players in the game, so the big traders, the big oil companies, they are the ones who have the ability to sell the crude forward at around the market levels. So for frontline's sake, then we have a modern fleet. We're down to four years average, as I said. So we will continue to focus on trading spots. And every day we watch the availability of ships in the market tighten as other ships start storing. So again, we've not seen many, we've seen some, but I think there's gonna be a tremendous lift in activity. And then that will, uh, you mentioned having a floor on, uh, on, uh, on rates and so forth, but uh, I think it's, it's just sit back and um, I, I think it's gonna be tightening, uh, the old ships will tighten the market for the uh, modern ships and um, that will, uh, will be one of the, uh, one of the big factors uh, for, for the year and uh, one of the reasons why I'm very glad we put on the bet earlier. Well, uh, but do you, do you see inquiries for three or 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 six or three or three six or twelve months in terms of storage? Uh, we're seeing all all well, we're seeing anything from one month. Uh, but um, the um, the main focus uh, has been certainly six months. We started getting 12-month inquiries uh, this morning. I'm not sure how, how real that is yet, but uh, we are we are looking at it um, every, every hour. And the, the current curve uh, is about $73,000 a day one can pay for a VLCC for, for six months. Trump said last Friday that uh, he looks to build strategic reserves as uh, a hedge towards uh, the American energy producers. Uh, where do you see cargoes uh, sailing these days, uh, Robert, uh, US or Asia? So what we saw last week, we saw spot fixing basically take off completely. And it was, it was led by, uh, by Bari or, or, or Saudi Aramco. 
they're chartering more than more than 30 ships. It, it might even have been 40. So from what we are seeing, then um, it looks to us like the majority of this will be going to the US Gulf. Uh, but um, the, all these, these fixtures, when you fix a ship, then it's, it's not just an A to B and you know where you're going. We, we, give, uh, we give our customers a lot of options. So this could change. But um, I think with, with the, the message he sent on strategic reserves is that he, he also talks about the uh, American-produced crude. I think some will be, but how, it, how they're set up to receive the uh, reserves and the quality they want my guess is that Saudi will be a very important uh, factor when it comes to uh, filling the U.S. reserves. And when it comes to the Far East, uh, I think we're going to see, uh, I, said, I said it earlier, that I think we're going to see more crude heading um, to the Far East in, in the coming months. And that is because a lot of refineries uh, in the Far East were uh, in turnaround or maintenance uh, recently. Uh, now, with uh, the way the... Um, uh, the margins look for refiners. I think there's going to be a rush in uh, in uh, in AG AG two to the east as well. And we know for a fact the volume is there, so it's um, it's exciting. So uh, OPEC, the OPEC clearly high volumes for 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 this month, but they also said that they expect similar volumes for the following month. Uh, and then with storage uh, potentially then being the backdrop of this into the summer, then. Uh, that that looks well for for the near term near term future. So I don't let let's see if you need to buy the Nike as of yet. Uh, but if you if you if you if you look at U.S. crude exports, that's been the main driver for Tom Mine and recent years. Uh, how should we think about uh, U.S. crude exports versus OPEC in terms of uh, a bit longer term supply demand picture? So th- this is one of the main. Um main sort of arguments for, for things dropping uh, dropping off quickly. But I think it's, it's important when things happen, it's important to take a, take a bigger view and check the various facts. So I think, first of all, it's, it will take time until US production volumes fall significantly. So you, it's not like a tap, you just switch off. So another thing, which, which is very, very important as well, is that many producers in the US have hedged at good levels. So they will produce as long as their hedges are in place. I don't have the exact percentage you might, but I, I think it's in the region of 60% of the 2020 volume. So further down the line, I think we could see reduced U.S. exports. But currently, the, the extra volume in the Middle East would make up for it. But also, again, looking at the bigger picture, where is the oil market now? There's a super contango. What does the super contagion mean? Very simply, the world thinks that oil is worth more money forward than what it is today. So with this, if this curve is right, then the U.S. shale producers actually have brighter times ahead because it looks from the curve that the price will increase. So uh, we discussed uh, the rates earlier, uh, Robert. Uh, for how long does the rates need to stay at uh, current level levels for you to be uh, able to report such uh, high rates in your quarterly accounts? Now, I think that's, that's a great question, Marius, and it's, it's very important because it's it's not it's not such that uh, all our all our sixty plus ships uh, enjoy enjoy the last done um, uh, number. So you you read in the papers that the ships are doing two hundred and fifty thousand. Then we might have one or two at that level, but most ships will will still be on their on their current freight level. 
So we've already said that Q1 is stronger than Q4 of 19. So I, I don't want to say too much about um, Q2, but all I can say is the freight outlook is strong. So I think over the, over the coming weeks, we will constantly add ships in our books at the new stronger freight levels. So this will push our average fleet earnings up. We've already booked single voyages where we have a net profit. So just for one voyage with a net profit well above $10 million. So a big number on one ship will push the whole fleet average up. Again, every $1,000 above 19.4 on our fleet is 20 or almost $23 million on, uh, on, a, on an annual basis. So I think that uh, we are heading towards a stronger for longer market, and we might have some great quarters ahead for our investors. We shared some calculations yesterday in the notes uh, where we showed the valuation impact if, if rates are 200,000 for the cities in, in one quarter. And then, then you could generate the, you know, 35% of your current market cap in free cash flow. Uh, and you already booked a strong Q1. Uh, and we saw a peer of you today fixing, you know, six months at $80,000 a day. So at least if you were to lock in, uh, uh, very strong rates for the next six months and not take advantage of the super profits you see today. You are call it could well have a very good year uh, uh, as a whole for 2020. So the question is uh, is uh, short term greed uh, versus uh, long term protection. Uh, and uh, the main question we get from investors today, of course, uh, there is a uncertain macro backdrop. Uh, which is uh, unprecedented in, in recent history. Uh, uh, and uh, I'm not going to dwell into that, but, uh, but how, how to think about uh, uh, payout ratios? I know it's a board decision, but if you were to guide the uh, investors a bit. So I think for the overall, if you look at where the market is now, as I just said, I don't know if we're going to be at $150,000 next week or, or, or $200,000 or $250,000. It's, it's, it's very difficult saying. We're, we're monitoring it very closely, and we, we have the best people uh, in chartering, and we're, we're super focused and working harder than ever. In terms of strategy for Frontline, we are, are probably towards the, uh, if you take the, uh, the uh, choice between a long voyage and a, and a slightly lower rate or a high one at, uh, uh, for a shorter duration, then we think the four factors uh, I mentioned initially are so much in favor, they're, they're so strong tailwinds that we will go towards taking some risk. But we will take money off the table. Uh, we will not do uh, short-term or six-month storage uh, on a VLCC at uh, 75 or 80,000, where the curve is now. I think the risk-reward is definitely in favour of, um, of of running uh, running spots and waiting for the older ships to go on storage. Um, so, so let's see. But uh, ultra-focused and uh, and somewhere somewhere in between the two strategies, but uh, pointing slightly towards taking some risk. So, but we can do this because Frontline's balance sheet is in great shape. It's probably the best we've ever had, and the order book we have uh, is at very low levels. We're waiting for one Suez Max and uh, one VLTC. Both get delivered now in Q2, so great deliveries. And then we have four Aframaxes, but they are they are way out in terms of the delivery time. So 
the cash break even gives us a fantastic earning potential and, and our philosophy is very clear. We return cash to shareholders like, like we've done. And another factor is everybody's aware, uh, Mr. Fredrickson's support of, of Frontline is second to none. So, so that, that will remain and uh, he's uh, following the markets uh, with very, very keen interests. So, uh, so that's, a, that's a big asset as well. And that's why we have access to finance that nobody else has, right? So you've seen the recent, um, uh, we, we announced here with uh, Q4 where we we're doing, uh, doing the uh, margins below 200. We did 190 in the last, and that's the average. And nobody else can, uh, can point anywhere to anywhere close to that. Also, since the U.S. listing in 2001, uh, we have returned uh, six or over six billion dollars of dividend. Uh, next week, 80 million dollars uh, will hit investor accounts. Uh, that's the uh, Q4 dividend. Uh, but obviously, we, the board will consider payouts quarterly. Uh, and in the current extreme times, it's obviously more important than ever because the, the world is in a very, very uncertain place. But uh, my guide is that uh, provided the freight market continues as we expect, I think investors should expect good payouts. I have a, a final question for you, uh, Robert, and uh, it's, uh, it's uh, quite a, a hard one, I guess. But uh, how would you guide investors longer term in a scenario when uh, oil inventors, inventories are, are full, youth shale could uh, be impacted and uh, the virus has come under control and the, the global... Uh, uh, economy is expanding again. It's uh, so, certainly a tricky question, but uh, let's uh, again let's look at the bigger picture. And I think it's important to look at before the current spike in rates, we were already pointing towards a better balance sheet. In fact, the last three calls we've been been very clear that we are heading into to better times, and then we get this uh, super strong tailwind again. The four very important factors. Um, in terms of fleet, the number of ships over 15 years is about three times the amount of ships on order. And in terms of the virus, uh, there's a lot of experts out there, but I'm certainly not one. All that I can say is that uh, it will be contained at some stage. So my guess, and this is a guess, when that happens, I think the world economy will get an historically strong boost. So the longer it takes, the more inventory we will build, the more ships will go on, on storage, and this will have to be drawn at some stage. So simply put, the longer that carries on, the more we have to draw. Uh, so it's, it's obviously impossible to say, uh, but in terms of uh, outlook, I think it looks uh, fantastically uh, well for, for, for tanker owners and, and frontline is uh, perfectly positioned for it. So. I think uh, during the, uh, the very uncertain times and, uh, and the market turmoil, um, in terms of uh, tankers and frontline, it's actually t- time to make some serious money. Okay, that uh, sums it up. Uh, thank you so much, Robert, for a very well valuable uh, input in these uh, challenging times uh, for, uh, for all, all of us. Uh, and thank you to uh, you, Nikolai, and uh, to all of you that uh, listened.
Denne podcasten og dets innhold skal anses som markedsføringsmateriell fra DNB og må ikke oppfattes som investeringsanbefaling eller som investeringsanalyse. Innholdet skal heller ikke anses for å være investeringsrådgivning tilpasset den enkelte kundes behov. Informasjonen som gis i podcasten er kun ment som generell spareveiledning og er ikke ment å utgjøre juridisk, finansiell, kommersiell, skattemessig eller regnskapsmessig rådgivning. Innholdet i sendingen er ikke gjennomgått eller godkjent av DNB Markets avdeling for analyse. Alle uttalelser reflekterer DNBs vurderinger på tidspunktet for den aktuelle sendingen og kan i etterkant endres uten nærmere beskjed. DNB er ikke ansvarlig for hvordan informasjonen i podcasten benyttes eller tolkes. Informasjonen som henviser til historisk avkastning i finansielle instrumenter, en finansiell indeks eller prognoser gir ingen garanti for fremtidig avkastning. DNB gjør oppmerksom på at enhver investering i et finansielt instrument er forbundet med risiko for økonomisk tap. Finansielle instrumenter kan både øke og minske verdi, slik at avkastning kan bli negativ som følge av kursfall. DNB tar intet ansvar for direkte eller indirekte tap og kostnader som måtte oppstå ved bruk av den informasjonen som gis i podcasten.